0: It's like I've been in a dream where I was really invested in the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League. My name is Matthew Kroll.
1: And it seems like you guys aren't doing the patriarchy right. My name is Shahir Dowd.
0: And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film, A Barbie. A Barbie. This is one half
1: of Barbie. Barbenheimer. Barbenheimer. Where did that... So let's explain for the listeners at home. What is Barbenheimer? Because also, we have listeners internationally who may not be on the same release schedule where Barbie and Oppenheimer are coming out on the same day?
0: They are. Yeah. Uh, uh, so that's the whole thing you yeah. just described. <laughs> that's it. it. That's it. <laughs> Listen, it's great when I. This has only happened in recent memory. Mm-hmm. Uh, one other time, and I'll talk about it in a second. Okay. But like when when two very different properties that have that are going to be very popular, I think, uh, end up be coming out at the same time or very close to the same time. I love that Barbie and Oppenheimer are opening the same weekend. I actually think that. It was a. Uh, uh, the internet causing it to become Barbenheimer mm-hmm. is such a great, vi- like, um, you know, ground, uh, boots on the ground marketing campaign <laughs> because it's going to get people that weren't going to see one or the other to maybe see both. Maybe. Like, the, the <laughs> memification of engagement is strong, okay. and um, i just really love to see it. The other one that actually happened in the video game world was about two or three years ago, at the, at the beginning of uh, the COVID pandemic, uh, both the new Animal Crossing game yep. and Doom Eternal came out the same week, I okay. believe. And it made this whole thing, the internet blew up, and it was like, um, Isabel. From who is like the assistant to Tom Nook, this little uh little fuzzy animal lady, yeah. uh, and Doomguy, yeah. like images on the internet like as best friends. Yeah. Like she <laughs> Isabel would be holding a shotgun and Doomguy would be planting flowers. Like it's just there's something really that people latch onto, especially with something like Barbie and Oppenheimer, where one is this like really dark grounded, um, uh intense history lesson about a man who's uh I mean, there's a lot of conflict around the entirety of who Oppenheimer was. And then of course there's Barbie who's also bright, bubbly, and shiny, but also there's a lot of controversy about Barbie as well. Depend well, like yeah. the, the So like the wheelhouses in their specific ends of the Venn diagram are similar, even though their subject matter is so different. Of course. And I just I think it's great when we, as a as a movie-going or, or entertainment media-consuming society, can take those things and smash them together into some of the coolest shirts and posters I've ever seen. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, there has been... And, of course, with the uh, generative AI right now, that we can, of course, put Barbie and Oppenheimer in the same room together, which is a lot of fun. Um, I went and saw this last night uh, at the last minute because I knew I had to see it But I also didn't want to like uh, book a ticket early in advance because I was like I I had other things on and I just wanted to be able to roll in. And I also knew fundamentally um, that this movie was playing every hour on the hour at our local um, Regal Kaufman Astoria um, with uh, playing in like four different movie theaters, four different screens at once. Yeah. So I was really excited by that. And I and I will say um, remembering the conversation we had about polite society. Uh, a movie which I was like, hey, this movie is tailored designed for my wife and it's not playing anywhere. I was very excited by the fact that I went in last night and every one of those four theaters was sold out. Everybody was dressed in pink. Yep. It was uh, a bright fiasco and everybody was there for a good time. And it was funny because in the in the same realm as you're describing is that I would stand across the hallway, because I waited outside for a little bit, and see people coming out of Oppenheimer dressed in all black, (laughs) in, in, like, dark clothes, Uh you know, like, kind of going, yeah, it was an interesting film to talk about. And, you know, like, they were having these conversations, and everyone on the other side of the aisle was kind of skipping into the Barbie movie, Mm -hmm. uh, which I thought was a lot of fun. I'm here for it. I'm glad people, you know, Tom Cruise has been saying the movies are back, baby
0: and i think they are sure it's great. Uh, yeah uh the the I, I went to much to my chagrin <laughs> uh, i went to a 7:30 show opening night last night mm. uh uh in in times square right. at the times square amc my yeah. my least favorite movie theater uh maybe of all time Woo! uh Maybe not notor- of all time in New York City at least.
1: Don't want to besmirch the name of time AMC Times Square, but it was known to have bid bugs
0: at one Oh, point. It, yeah, 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 No, no doubt. Yeah. Um, but the uh, it's funny. What I didn't think of because mm-hmm. like last night it was it was crazy crowded and, and nuts, and uh, I was I was bracing myself for it because I I hate that right. Uh, but to well, much like what you're saying. Everyone was dressed in pink and just there to have a good time and like rowdy until they were supposed to be quiet. Yeah. And then like it it, it felt it was the best possible, I think, film to see at Times Square mm-hmm. opening night. Because I think it brought out like basically super fans in a lot of ways. Yeah. And the again theater was packed, all pink. Yeah. Um Will and I, it's funny, uh, Will Temper, friend of the show, went to go see a, a press screening of Talk to Me yeah. uh, the day before. And yeah. there was a Barbie screening at the 14th Street uh, Regal. Yeah. And uh, there it that was uh, toted as a pajama party. Okay. So everyone who was going to that screening of Barbie the day before on the Wednesday was all in pink pajamas. And it was just like, this is cool. <laughs> like, I, and I, it's weird. I don't. I've said this before in the podcast. I, I love cosplay and I love dressing up for Halloween. I've never been a dress up for the, go to the movies person.
1: Haven't you dressed up to go see Guardians or something nope. like that? Nope. Didn't, no. Wait, uh, wasn't there a show? Didn't you go see Matrix dressed up as? Uh... Oh no, I wore I wore there was a, this was uh, the 20th anniversary
0: of Matrix at yeah. IMAX. I wore my old trench coat that I used to wear every day. Right. So yes, one time I did that for a gag. Right. Um. <laughs> Not, not calling you out, I'm just saying. No, yeah, no, no. I, but like, I but just like, remember very distinctly I did you that more specifically going, for the group that I was going with because yeah. I knew they'd get a hoot out of it, not yeah. for my, like, Matrix fandom. Right. Um. And again, there's nothing wrong with dressing up, but I think that I really like this version of it when it's like, oh, no, 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 no. There's a dress theme. You're not dressing as characters. Yeah. You're dressing in a similar way to show solidarity with everyone else that is going to see your screening or whatever. Right. And I got to say, the audience... This is, this is this is how good the energy was in the Times Square Theater. Yeah. The two, or there were three gentlemen next to me just talking the entire time. Yeah. But everyone else seemed to be having such a good time and, like, laughing and crying and mm-hmm. doing all the things that, like, I kind of tuned it out, I think, better than I ever have. Even mm-hmm. Jamie next to me, she's like, man, how did you handle those guys next to you? I thought you were going to lose your shit. And I was like... I think after 10 minutes, I was just, like, you're zoned on, in on, on the, the energy. Screen. Yeah. Um, the, the Kennergy, if you will. Um, so <laughs> anyway, enough to get you through. I was, yeah. yeah. I was, it, it was such a frown upside down moment. Uh, it's str- you know, uh, we should get into
1: the movie, but I uh, I went to see it by myself. There was almost a moment, and we should talk about this as well, actually. There was almost a moment where he convinced my son that we would go see it. And I was actually really concerned about this, because uh, Common Sense Media says the PG-13 movie. Yep. And I know there was a little bit of tongue-in-cheek in it. And I wasn't sure, like, how much... Uh, how adult the movie was going to be. There's a uh, lot of beaching off. Beaching off, yeah. But but to be fair, after having seen, uh, and, and there, a weird thing happened, which is that my son was like, "I don't want to see a Barbie movie." And I and I was like, "Man, we got to check out biases here because you know, like." And so we talked a lot about like Barbie. It's just a doll, just like the other dolls that you have, and that sort of thing. Um, I actually think it would be a great movie for him to see, uh, and I think it would be a really really fun movie for him to see because I think it introduces a lot of really complicated ideas Mm -hmm. in a really fun and playful way. But we have to, you know, like there is this, Barrier to entry for some people for Barbie, and I, I I hope it's going away because again I was at the movie last night and there was a group of, of women on my right side and uh, uh two two men who are a couple on my left side and they were all here for Barbie and in the middle of them is this big six foot four <laughs> you know bearded <laughs> dude in a black t shirt sitting by himself who got lost on his way to the Oppenheimer <laughs> who's permit. like who's like scribbling notes every now and again <laughs> you know and I was like oh I'm not <laughs> the, (laughs) They probably think I am the Zack Snyder Justice League guy who's just checking it out. Yeah, Um, We should talk about this movie uh, in detail. I want to say just a a little bit of um, inside baseball here. We're recording this the night after the movie premiered, but the episode won't come out for another couple of weeks. And what I'm predicting may have or not have happened... Uh, hedging my bets here, is that the discourse around this particular movie is going to evolve and change and transform because I do feel it's going to be a big hit. Yep. I watched it and I was like, between Mission Impossible, Barbie, and Oppenheimer, Barbie is the one that's going to win. Yeah. hundred percent. This is the movie that's going to win out the box office yep. here. It is the most broadly based IP uh, film of the bunch. It is the one that's going to tap to um, uh, a bigger audience. Uh, I think I think that Barbie's gonna win. That's my prediction. Let's see how we go. Uh write us only movie podcast at gmail.com. But I'm also really curious. This is me talking to future me who might be listening to this episode in two weeks' time. What has happened to the discourse of oh, this yeah. movie? Because an example of this, uh it's only been a day. Uh, it's only been a day. A um, couple things to note is that uh, currently the WGA and the and SAG are on strike. Yep. which means there's no promotion for the movie, or the actors uh, and writers are not appearing for promotion for the movie. It was an interesting thing I saw. I saw this on TikTok and I had to call it out. Uh, I don't normally like to call out the silliest things that you see from people's comments, but um, for some reason Matt Gates, uh, congressman or senator uh, Matt Gates, got invited to a screening with his wife. Uh, and his wife, uh, so they were on the red carpet for the movie because they had no stars for the movie. Yep, uh, to promote it, so so they got to Matt Gates, saw that, um, and uh, Ginger Gates, who came out of the movie, uh, criticized the movie for being disappointingly low T from Ken. You know what that phrase means? Low T. Oh, low testosterone. Low, low testosterone from Ken, and I was like. What a strange, strange take that
0: was. Uh, when will we stop <laughs> inviting people who who say they're going to be genuine just to get them to come out at like it, it feels like we bait this out of the the worst of that side's pundits. Uh, uh, it's
1: also, you know it's it's I'm the worst in the situation for, for reading it out, but I, wa- I do want to read out this line which is the two, 2023 Mar- Barbie movie unfortunately neglects to address any notion of faith or family and tries to normalize the idea that men and women can't collaborate positively. We should table that, think about it, and let's talk about the movie for a second. Um, could you tell
0: us what Greta Gurig's Barbie is about? I sure can, but apparently Matt Gates' wife can't. <laughs> uh, Barbie, uh, as IMDb says, is the story of... Barbie suffers a crisis that leads her to question her world and her existence.
1: Yay! <laughs> yeah. Barbie suffers a crisis. Uh, yeah. Uh, now, this was a movie that I think we knew the pr- the tightrope that this movie has to walk is very, very fun. Oh, yes. It's incredibly fun because um, like we've been talking about with uh, Ben Affleck's Air, this is a corporate product. This is a movie that is being produced by Mattel about one of their signature products uh, in their line, and it, it has been noted that uh, it, based on the success of this film, Mattel, like Marvel, is opening up their entire product line for the production of movies uh, because they've uh, you know realized how important that is to the IP.
0: Yeah, I want uh, to. I want to just so as we sort of discuss this, what I'd like to do, if you're game for this, okay is break up our discussion into almost like three acts. Okay. So the first part, I wanna talk about just the movie as if we were uh, young, doughy-eyed movie uh, discussers, mm-hmm. and we didn't know or care about the corporatization and the things sort of behind it and, and wh- how we sort of thought it lands there. Okay. Then I'd love to talk about uh, sort of um, the corporate side of it and yeah. what it all kind of means in that context. And then I think, as a short, just uh, end discussion point, I'd like to talk about: Do we think that either there should be one or the other read, or that there should be some sort of mix to have a, a, like a complete whole as what we are experiencing in this moment? Because it's a weird. It's weird, right? Like if you the if movie's you, weird. No, well, well we... yes, but in a good way. But then, like the situation the movie is in, both in Barbie world, the movie's real world, and our real world. Are, it's it's complicated, right? And I I was talking with a bunch of people last night about it, and I kept going in circles. And I was really interested to in sort of like I feel like if we if we discuss it in that order, we'll be able to get to like I think a, a really good place by the end.
1: Okay, um, yeah, I think there's a lot of crossover topics there, and and as I say, I'm very curious how this episode plays out in three weeks' time or whenever this episode's coming out. Because I'm curious how the discourse around this movie will evolve as more people see it, and as I predict, could be wrong, that it will become the the movie of the summer.
0: It'll become the movie of the summer, and I think there'll be backlash, and -hmm. then there'll be backlash to Mm -hmm. the backlash, Mm -hmm. and then like because it's a it's going to be the biggest movie of the summer that's also saying something, and inevitably. Some people aren't gonna like what it's saying, and then they're gonna make a thing about it. And look, that's everyone's fucking right or who whatever. But like, what I hope is that the strengths of the experience of this movie, and we'll get into it in a moment, are enough to sort of like wait out that bullshit time. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So so if I'm breaking it down again in this category, it's the movie on its own, just talking about like, is it a good experience? Yeah. The corporatization factor of the movie yeah. and where that works in and then i think maybe if i could amend the Please, third no part. I, I threw this on you like yeah, this yeah. was just a, the, an idea the third part will be the discourse oh yeah that's yeah. better yeah that's better how 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 is the discourse going to go down how how we could read the discourse how Great. our listeners might think of our opinions of the film and how we could offer some thoughts about how they could read the i love it okay. i
0: love it we have a structure <laughs> we did it we, we're doing it live all right so the movie on its own
1: yeah uh, we have both freshly seen this. Yeah, very uh, we freshly. Are, we're sipping coffee the morning after. Uh, I went home and watched No Country for Old Men afterwards. Wait, what? Because I I'd started it the night before and then I was like, I was really invested, but it's all. So, in many ways, I am like, the movie is, w- like as I say, walking a fine tightrope of, and it's speaking to exactly me. At one point, the movie. Discusses how to distract uh, a man of the patriarchy by asking them to discuss the Godfather, and I was like, I felt, I felt personally, I, I, this was this was personal, but I liked it. Yeah. I thought it was great. Um, uh, how did you feel about your Times Square experience of seeing Barbie on the big screen?
0: Well, I think as I said before, it was on. It was the best experience I've had at a film in Times Square at the yeah. Times Square Cinema. I yeah. believe um, the crowd was great. The film itself, I think. Uh, is my kind of wackadoo like one thing i was worried about going in was like because i knew that it was like barbie getting to the real world and like are they going to try to explain that and like what's going to be the important through lines and all this stuff um i I do like i do like the ideas of um of of toys getting to the real world Mm -hmm. i mean that's been in everything from like i mean toy story takes place in the real world but they have their own toy world yeah uh but, like, for instance, like the uh, He-Man, Master of the Universe movie, right? Yep. That they whole go to the real world. Yeah. Now, granted. Or they go to Earth. Yeah, there's yeah. not a meta-narrative of He-Man's a toy universe, Yeah, but they go to Earth. They do the thing. Like, I'm, I'm a fan do of this stuff. What,
1: do you know what I thought was a, a good comparison to think about? Oh, well, there's mm-hmm. two.
0: I have two good comparisons, too. You want to say them at the same time? Okay, sure. Okay, the first Just one is well, Matrix Resurrection. Good good call. Yeah. And then the second one is Space Jam New Legacy also good oh. i was going
1: to say the truman show
0: okay and the last action hero great yeah, yeah yeah there's a lot to there's a lot to dig in across all four of those yeah yeah um th- this movie's great mm-hmm. i i had such a wonderful time i think it gets like you said it gets across complex difficult uh issues in a way that is i think digestible to any group who is actively willing to listen to it mm-hmm. i can see a place Can't. where <laughs> yeah, yeah i can see a place <laughs> yeah, yeah. where people don't yeah. like specifically a certain subject uh subsection of of men or people that are are gonna team in yeah yeah no, yeah. <laughs> yeah or maybe too high team men i have no idea what yeah. the what the i'm just sitting here sipping tea yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah i got coffee i don't know if that's enough um th- to your point like in the moments where the movie is making fun of men of like like yeah. thousand percent making fun of men uh I could see that irking people. Jamie asked me as we were walking home, she's like, hey, like, how did you feel in those moments? Because, like, a lot of that is making fun of you. And we got into a discussion of um, sort of, this is an odd way to sort of start this, but, like, guilt and privilege. Mm Okay? Okay. Uh, I think it's important that everyone who has uh, any sort of privilege acknowledges that privilege. Yeah. But I also don't know, so long as you're trying to actively be a, a, a good person and, and help in various spaces where you can, mm-hmm. or or just shutting up and listening, etc. cetera. Uh, guilt for privilege is an odd thing to feel. No one asks to be born in any specific place or spot or to whom, right? Mm-hmm. So, w- and being a cis white dude myself the privilege is like stacks on stacks on stacks. Mm-hmm. So when I see something like poking fun at all of the dumb shit that my group does, mm-hmm. I'm never like, well, that's bullshit. I'm like, no, that's deserved. Like, yeah. of course that is like, yeah, that's true. Like, and yeah. you, I, I can't be mad at it because it's people noticing bullshit and calling it out.
1: I think, I think in comedy as well, it's the punching down. It's, it's the no, punching. Yeah. 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 Punching, or, punching up or punching, punching down. up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, so I I thought every one of those was amazing. And again, the quote that I did in the beginning—not that I was ever a proponent of Zack <laughs> Snyder's Justice League—but I feel like it's a it's, lot it's, of the, yeah. A lot of the ways I talk about things, <laughs> movies, video games, Dungeons and Dragons, th- 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 is it must be such like bullshit for people who don't give a fuck to listen to. <laughs> and like the, the, the thing that got me, this was almost my quote. Yeah. Uh, want me to play guitar at you? Yeah. Like <laughs> it's <laughs> like. <laughs> that's the entirety of what it feels like i can only imagine to be a woman yeah do you want me to play guitar at you yeah, yeah. and it's like the what i love about it is it's calling out bullshit yeah but what i hope it's doing is it's doing it in a fun enough way and an engaging enough way to make you look at yourself and see those moments where you've as a man or whatever have played a guitar at a person <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. you know hypothetically or yeah, you yeah, know yeah. In, in spirit <laughs> yeah yeah uh and just be like Shit, that had to have sucked for that person. <laughs> like, and so I think this movie does a lot of really great work while also being like engaging. Yeah, and like, if I want to pick apart elements that I didn't like, I I could, mm-hmm. but much like the and I will a little bit as we go, but much like the the men sitting next to me talking the entire time, mm-hmm. I like kind of just tuned it out because the the skill and the craft and the vibe. The, 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 I'll say the skill and the craft of crafting the vibe. Uh got me sort of through it. Right. Like uh I don't know. I I liked this movie so much more than I anticipated I would. I thought I'd dig it, but right. I'm glad that it went where it did. And yeah. I'm glad it didn't go where it didn't go. By that I mean like there's a moment when she's running through the Mattel building. Yeah. And I was like, if she runs through the <laughs> other toy. Worlds, <laughs> I'm going to be so fucking mad. And It'll spoiler be like alert: that
1: scene in the uh, the Amazing Spider-Man where he walks through the basement and we see Vulture's wings. Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. You're like, oh god. Here uh, go. yeah.
0: Spoiler alert: that doesn't happen in right. Barbie. And I'm so glad the level of restraint. I guarantee you that was probably a Greta note. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, I loved it. Uh Sheer, what about you? what what's your what's your what's your gut take on? Those so stories? so
1: again, uh, I think in terms of the the three categories you've mm-hmm. described, there's gonna be a lot of crossover here. Sure. um so I want to um, say uh, a couple of things first, which is that uh, I you know we've said this a million times before, it's kind of a running joke now, but I used to teach film school. I used to teach media studies. And one of the things we used to teach, uh, and so this is like twenty years ago now mm-hmm. um, uh, is feminist theory in media studies in particular. Um, and we looked at um, we looked at Barbie in detail in those in that period. And It was always fun um, when you introduce the contra- concept of the patriarchy to students for the first time, and thinking about uh, hegemony and and power structures and the way that you know the world has aligned itself essentially to be the corporate version of what this movie is—the Will Ferrell version of this yeah. movie, you know, of of the world that they live in. Um, in Succession last year or this year, I think no, last year. There's a, there's an episode where Kendall goes to the Met Opera and he's trying to like make himself seem like he's uh, culturally relevant. Okay, and he shouts out "fuck the patriarchy" as he's walking away uh, to the press. And it's it was like it's a clear moment of the way things have changed in the last twenty years since I started teaching the subject, since I even learned about the subject. Um, is that you know concepts of feminist theory have made their way into popular culture. And in the Kindle moment, it's funny because it's made its way into the popular culture without meaning. So he's saying it without, it it has no application whatsoever to his life or to his arc in the story or to anything to do with him. Um, What I like about this movie in particular is that it's speaking to a lot of complicated issues in feminist theory, in, in film theory, um, and it's speaking to them in a very direct way. Yep. It is, you know, the discourse is if you want a man to, uh, to get distracted, ask them to talk about The Godfather. And in that scene, he is like, oh, this is, you know, really the Nix's point between Francis Ford Coppola's work and, you know, the producing <laughs> production work of, uh, of Robert Evans. And I was like, oh, that is so me. <laughs> that is, I am that guy. Um, and of course, I am a boring person. Um, but I think f- on that front, the film really gets to a, uh, an amazing point through a monologue that is delivered by not one of the main characters in the middle of the movie. And it is a similar monologue that was delivered in Lady Bird. It is a similar monologue that it was delivered in Little Women. Um, it is in scope, I think, if we think about the body of work of Greta Gerwig. Um, and I, I don't think this is a spoiler to say it at this point, but... Um, It is a monologue about the contradiction and difficulty it is of being a woman in the modern day. Um, And I think that, to me, when the movie gets to that point, it really starts to sing. Up until that point, I thought it felt a little bit like a clever commercial about Barbie. Like a clever, ironic commercial.
0: You're talking about the America Ferrera thing, right? Oh, see, I would call her a main character. Uh, Yeah, not the
1: the titular character no it's barbie
0: doesn't (laughs) barbie or ken doesn't give this quote yeah okay sure yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: not the titular character of the movie um but up until that point i i i thought it was a little clunky and it felt like um an ironic branding proposition of bar uh, of how to how to read barbie Mm -hmm. as a product because again we're talking about um so so now coming back to the media and film studies thing we're talking about dissecting images that have been presented to us over a course of time. And this is a film that is, is very self-aware that the image that its central product is, uh, is depicting to us is problematic in many ways mm-hmm. and has been uh, the center of focus of discourse around feminism and around the role of women in society and around what those expectations of those roles are um, because it is so culturally uh, important. Um, so, uh, I thought that the first half when we're in Barbie land was kind of like fun and ironic, but I also found it a little bit forced and, and a little bit, uh, clunky. And I didn't find the laughs kind of came or worked in a way for me that really, really landed. But, and also when, once they got into like the real world, you know, like, so the, the narrative of the story is that Barbie is, uh, has to go into the real world to identify where these feelings of, uh, death, we're coming from. The toy, the, yeah. The, the,
0: the girl who's playing with her is having these feelings, so it's mixing together. She talks to weir, Weird Barbie, played by Kate yeah. McKinnon, who, who yeah. convinces her to go to the real world to find and fix this rift.
1: Yeah, the rift. And there's a portal, which is inevitably, you know, again, um, the other movie that it's very, very similar to is the Lego movie, which is also a product movie that talks essentially about the line between the product and the way that that product actually affects our pers- interpersonal lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. Uh, I even found when they got into the real world and Barbie is walking down uh, Venice Boulevard. Yeah, yeah, I, I found it kind of like clunky and you know, like it didn't do quite the sort of immediate dichotomy that you see in a film like Last Action Hero when Arnold Schwarzenegger's character goes into the real world and it's way grimier and worse. Like their version of Los Angeles sort of felt like two to three degrees different to their version of Barbie world, you know, like it wasn't like. A big transformation and so it felt a little a little uh forced to me but once Kin decides to go back <laughs> armed with the tools of feminist theory and patriarchal th- you know like theory uh or, or books about the patriarchy or, or the sense books that, about
0: patriarchy and yeah, horses
1: yeah yeah um and, and trucks and, and and that is the central conflict of the film i thought the film really started to sing there and i thought by the time it got to the end, it really worked because I th- this is the point where I've also felt that Gerwig as a writer, um, her voice was really coming to play. I, I you know, like I, I felt very, very strongly that this was in line with what she wanted to say about Barbie. Yeah. And I think it's, a, a, as I mentioned, a really challenging tightrope that she has to walk here because it is a corporate product. She wants to make fun of that corporate product. She wants to dissect that corporate product, but within the confines of something that is not radical. Like, not really pulling apart that, that corporate product, because in many ways, I think the end result of this film, if we think about IP management, what this film will do is change the way in which we think about Barbie as a cultural artifact. And that's a big thing, because it's not... It, it, may, it may sell more toys, and it may not sell more toys. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure. But it will change the way we think about Barbie as a cultural artifact.
0: I think it will sell more toys and not for a love of Barbie. Yeah. But because as much as I love or load this, we as, as a society are creatures of habit. We're going to be shown Barbie, Barbie, Barbie for the next two weeks. Right. So inevitably, product will move. Right. Um, but I don't not know if it's the same way go-
1: that Lego,
0: the Lego movie, was like, hey, buy more Lego. Right. But the thing about the Lego movie, and we'll get into this more, I think, in, in round two, uh, the thing about the Lego movie is it never, the Lego movie does not touch on any controversy around Lego as a product.
1: That's what I mean. And, and I think what the Lego movie kind of did uh, was say, hey, these are just blocks, but they have meaning and, and
0: introduced us to the meaning.
1: And what but they I th- don't talk
0: about things like how many Lego blocks are at the bottom of the ocean, or yeah, yeah. like you and, know and the, the environmental. Movie. Yeah, the Barbie
1: movie essentially says, "Hey, these are uh, an important cultural artifact between mothers, daughters, women of all ages, but they're also problematic in terms of what they mean." And I, I like, I really like that this is a big movie that has been uh, thrust upon uh, mainstream audiences that is going to have a lot to say about whether you should enjoy the product that is being sold here. Um, and I and I, I think, again, it's a very fine tightrope that this movie is walking. And I think Gerwig and Baumbach, who wrote the script as well, uh, Baumbach is, of course, uh, another writer-director. We've talked about him. Uh, we did Marriage mm-hmm. Story. He's also a frequent collaborator of, of Wes Anderson's films, um, which also have that dollhouse feel to them. Yep. Um, so I think the movie... Um, Manages to have its cake and eat it too, which is you know sort of part of the way of um, thinking about modern feminism. I, I actually I may, I may backtrack on that if there's anyone who's, who says <laughs> it, that I'm contentious <laughs> that it is a contentious statement. I will agree uh, that uh, that is maybe not the most uh, well formed thought about how to how to de- describe that. Um, but yeah, the- uh, on the whole. I really did enjoy it. I think it really worked, and um, it took a little while to get there. Mm. It took it took me a minute to get to the point where I was like, "This is more than the sum of its parts."
0: I agree with you on that sentiment, with with one caveat for me. I, I do feel like the beginning third ish to maybe half was a bit long in the tooth. However, there were moments of like like a, a line or a snap or a shot or something that got me to be like, "Oh." This is all butter. They're setting us up. There's going to be, of course, the first thi-
1: opening of him of her waking up. Right, it has right. to be. Right, right, right. <laughs> but
0: like, I think the joke or the, the the pull or the line or whatever, as that part was going, was enough for me to be like, okay, okay, yeah. no, 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 no. Like, yeah. and like, I, 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 feel like I glossed over the any edges I did, uh, you know, hard edge but, I had. But
1: uh, my my other point there is that when we get into the real world, which is obviously the inverse of the Barbie land, yeah, which is that it's all run by men. I also found that that was clunky and didn't quite work. Uh, oh, I didn't. I didn't like really. like the Will Ferrell thing, uh, like the Will Ferrell corporate office. I I found a bit forced.
0: Well, that felt like the 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 corporate office and the in the cubicles and the off the top floor office all felt cartoony as well. Yeah, nothing else in the real world felt cartoony. And what I sort of read into that in the moment where I'm like, oh well. If they're the bridge point yeah. between whatever doll world and and real world, and I'm so fucking thankful they didn't like try to explain it, right? Like I mean, yeah, they yeah. just it, sort of existed, and that was it. Yeah, yeah, like the government calls Mattel to let them know that they've been booked and <laughs> yeah, like yeah. to handle their dolls. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, which I thought was really really funny. Um, I'll tell you something I didn't love. It yeah. wasn't. It wasn't ever bad or distracting. the 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 two comic songs. Hmm. i especially ken's song mm-hmm. i i i was hoping to get like bangers that i would like 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 i love funny songs yeah i yeah. love them of course um and these were not like the earworms that even uh, you know the most recent one which is even which is the dumbest example i could think of but like peaches like yeah, it's yeah. not there. there's no yeah, yeah, of course there's yeah. nothing in here that's like really going to grab and that's fine like that i think if my one criticism is like man the funny songs could have been funnier yeah yeah (laughs) uh i I don't think that's a huge one but i did want to bring it up um i think that i don't know the way that oh oh this is what i want to talk about the so this wasn't actually greta gerwig like hunting this movie out margot robbie hunted this movie out from to get the rights from mattel and then she brought on greta gerwig Which is like a, which is an interesting, like Margot Robbie as a filmmaker and and, and actor. Mm, She's great. Is such, well, she's obviously great. Like that's step, that's, that's of course. Yeah. But like I love that an actor that I really, really, really like is like, no, I wanna do this and I wanna do something a little bit different with it and I'm gonna go and like try to make this happen.
1: I I, I wanna put some nuance on that, um, which is to say that Barbie as a property has been floating around for a movie adaptation for, for decades. Oh, sure. It's not and, like and it was in, behind a... Uh, yeah, in, in fact, uh, when I was working at a production company in New York City, we were looking at Barbie, and we were looking at different um, uh, different uh, iterations for how this goes. At one point, the thing, the project that I was involved in or looking at was an adaptation of uh, the Ruth... Uh, 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 what is her name? The, the person who invented Barbie, uh, Ruth... I've forgotten her name. She's in the movie. Yeah, uh, an adaptation of her story, where she. Uh, it would have been. It would
0: have been a BlackBerry story.
1: Yeah, it would have been the BlackBerry story uh, because essentially her story involves a lot of corporate. Um, sub- yeah, because uh, because Barbie was uh, essentially taken from a German brand called Biddle Liblidel, I think it's called. Something like that. And and it was actually stolen and they had to settle out of court to to do that as well. Ruth um, Handler was her name. Ruth Handler, yeah. Um so we were looking at that story as well versus the versus like a straight up adaptation. And there have been like adaptation, but Barbie is a massive property. Yeah. Uh, it makes a hundred percent sense. I would I would presume that in her heyday, Reese Witherspoon would have been looking at this property sure. as well. What I'm
0: saying is I know people wanted to make a Barbie movie for a long time. Yeah. I love that Margot Robbie got it started and with Greta Gerwig yeah. got it across the finish line in the place that it did. Because I, I was, again, I was saying to Jamie last night, this is the best possible Barbie movie that could be made in 2023. Yeah. Like, I I, I, I cannot believe the tightropes that they walked. And I think it comes from a place of appreciating the IP. Yeah. Questioning the IP. And convincing the IP owners to be able to show both of those things. Right. And that's not an easy thing, I think, for a corporation, especially one uh, sort of with the history that Mattel does. Right. So, I I don't know. I think just, it, it's a miracle that this movie exists in the state that it's in.
1: And it also is coming out, I, I think, well, what the movie ends up being, uh, it is a very 2023 movie. Mm-hmm. And the real the real tricky thing, I think any writer or director would have had with barbie is leaning into the kitsch of barbie and the sort of color palette of it, it, it and what what uh, it's challenging because you know again he-man is another property that has been in development for a long time just got
0: canceled at netflix
1: yeah again 30 uh, million
0: down the hole they're not doing it
1: it was noah Sentinel i think was oh, yeah. gonna play he-man for a while um you know the the inclination to just make a straight he-man movie is much easier in that sense and i don't you know, like it is biased to
0: say that that is the case, but it is. And well, it's uh, not. I, he mm. Man also has a narrative. It, it does have a narrative. And about, Barbie has characters. Yeah. I don't think there's an other than like there's been Barbie video games yeah. and Barbie animated things. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure there's narratives in those, but I don't think there's an overall. But it all would take some. I mean, in, in
1: in he in the case of He Man, you know, it was a toy to begin with that eventually they created
0: a narrative around. Yeah. Um. Well, they did them in tandem. Right. That's the thing. Like the the goal was always selling toys. Yeah. The cartoon was a commercial for the toys. Right. Uh, yeah. So I I
1: think there like there's an article in the Guardian that's come out this week uh, about Greta Gerwig uh, <laughs> essentially selling out. Um okay. It's by Casper Salmon and it's on uh, the uh, it's on the Guardian website. I, I'm not going to read out too much of it, but it was it was sort of interesting to me because I think the the problem that this has is directly the problem that Barbie is addressing, which is that um, we don't level the same. Uh, criticisms of Taika Waititi jumping into Thor, yep. or Christopher Nolan jumping into Batman, as much as this article suggests that we would of Greta Gerwig uh, jumping into Barbie, and 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 I think th- to be fair, you should read the article because it is a lot more. I, I don't want to uh, uh, portray it as there's a there's nuance, tape. sure. Uh, yeah,
0: uh, Greta Gerwig didn't sell out. Greta Gerwig mm-hmm. bought in.
1: I think <laughs> I think she does. Again, I think she does a great. She job, did an awesome job. Yeah, great job of infusing. The things that she is interested in, and again, you got to come back to a film like Frances Ha, mm-hmm. uh, a film that uh, I believe either she acted in or she wrote. Did she write Frances Ha? I'm gonna that I yeah, don't. She, know. she did write Frances Ha uh, and Mistress America, um, you know, uh, and Lady Bird and mm-hmm. Little Women. Uh, I think it does. It does funnel in the things that she is interested in to make her the perfect writer-director at this moment. So, you know, again, Amy Schumer was involved in wanting to develop a Barbie movie in 2015, and we can imagine from what Inside Amy Schumer was what kind of movie that would be. And I think the pairing of Robbie who, um, you know, like with her portrayal of uh, Harley Quinn, for example, um, does have an interesting ability to be both, the image of what we expect a Barbie to be, as as in fact Helen Mirren points out, so in, good in the narration of this film. I, you, I don't even want to.
0: That's something that I just want to say is wonderful. Yeah. Let's not even spoil that yeah. because it's so fucking good.
1: And and then marrying that with Greta Gerwig's instincts to call out again uh, in that one monologue the challenge and contradiction and and. Uh, difficulty of being a woman in the modern age which is that you work so hard to try to get everyone to like you and at the same time you cannot be too demanding of that like because that is seen as unseemly it is a tightrope to be a woman in the modern day and like i'm saying all of this going i really want to preface this saying all of this knowing that when my wife watches this movie uh, eventually, she will think that I am that douchebag in the movie. Like, I am the kin of that movie. And it's because because as much as I can sit here and sort of, like, talk about, like, my understanding of feminist theory and stuff, I am that douchebag. And that is why, when you said guilt and privilege, uh, it is absolutely correct that this movie punches down at someone who has a lot of guilt and privilege. Uh, a lot of privilege. Pun- punches, and, up. Yeah, uh, punches up. Yeah. Punches up. Yeah, sorry, punches up. Um, and and deservedly so. Yeah. Like, I... I Take 100% of the shots, and I think they deserve.
0: I also want to point out something, too. Uh, when Jamie asked if I was like offended by the stuff, yeah. and I absolutely am not. Yeah. You have to be able to, I think any person, any human, has to be able to acknowledge that something they're doing is dumb and silly. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter who we are. Yeah. And I think the second that you can't look at your uh, interests or activities or the way you present yourself and find something where you're like, actually, that's pretty dumb. Yeah. Like, then you've lost the thread, and you become so much of a narcissist that you can't possibly do it. And that's not to say case in point. This movie makes fun of so many men things like uh, like trucks and horses and like you know whatever. like, and that's not to say that those things that they're talking about, trucks, whatever, cat horses, are stupid. Yeah. It's about how we, as men in this movie or how basically any human interacts with any sort of thing that they get too obsessed with how we act to, toward and for those things. Do you want me to play guitar at you? Yeah. Like there's like that's the the case, whole thing.
1: Case in point, the movie we discussed last week uh, is Mission Impossible 7, yeah. where we discussed the interchangeability of women in this film that will be mentored by Ethan Hunt. Yes. You know like it is and that is exactly what happens in this movie, which is that they, you know, like they they take on the role of the masculine provider or masculine savior. And and um, interchange the women around them to the point where that their opinions don't matter. They
0: turn it into a funhouse mirror too, yeah. which is what all good commentary does. And I love, yeah. I love that the midpoint twist when Ken goes back first and brings the patriarchy with him. Mm. The funhouse mirror version of what that looks like yeah. is so like here's a cold it's a, frat house. A, a cold brewski beer yeah yeah like and like it's the it turns Ken into the villain yeah. But then, like, there's this weird, really nice balance that a lot of movies can't pull off. Mm-hmm. That, like, Barbie doesn't want to like. She's like, I don't want to hurt Ken, and everyone's like, that she took your house. Yeah, and she's like, and then they're like, well, do you still do you still love? And she's like, well, not like that. Yeah, like I don't want I don't want to destroy this person. I care about him as a person, but not as a romantic partner. Like, there's a really cool balancing act for the character there to show kindness, empathy, and then also in moments of like when he goes to kiss her or like whatever. And she's like, no. No, no. And, I don't want to insinuate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and there's a really, a really lovely yeah. like like undercurrent of that because it does I find, I want to go back before we actually transition into the, the corporatization part to the quote from what's his name's wife. Um <laughs> about about how it's um or maybe it wasn't her, but like how uh, this doesn't promote family or, like, whatever, that sort of thing, right? It's a misreading of the film entirely. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because what this promotes is do whatever you want, and whatever you want as a woman or, or uh, you know, a, a human, to be p- perfectly honest, is okay and should be respected. Yeah. That could include those things, and if you were paying attention to the critic who sort of said that— well, was uh, it a
1: critic, by the way. It was, uh, it was Matt Gaetz's wife, and take what it— you know, again, I it's my fault for like well, amplifying. I, I voice. wouldn't
0: trust her judgment on marriage, so <laughs> yeah. I probably wouldn't judge trust her judgment on family at that point. But yeah. uh, the, my point is, uh, this movie is very, very does a very good job at being very clear that like it is up to you to decide what you think is important, who you care about, how you engage with the world, and how you don't have to be quote put in a box. And I think that's pretty fucking cool that they were able to do that.
1: And I think it also gets to, like, uh, you know, full-blown spoilers here, but the last moment is Ruth Handler uh, meeting with Barbie and having a discussion about, like, what it means to be a real girl or yeah. to be a real woman uh, or to be real. In yeah. general. It's a Pinocchio kind of uh-huh. um, transformation that goes here, and which is uh, I think she suggests that it's filled with pain and, uh, you know, like it's not all clean and beautiful like Barbie Land is, but maybe it's worth it. And Barbie chooses to become a real woman at that point. Uh, Or, again, I'm using those terms, um, I I may be using those terms inappropriately. Barbie becomes human. Barbie becomes human. Uh, And I think the great gag at the end is that she, you know, because there was a fear running through my brain. Uh, You know, it was like uh, when we did that movie Nine Days, Mm -hmm. and it was like this, this concept of um... Transcendence was essentially corporatization right. I was worried that they, they were pulling up to the Barbie office And she was going to go work for Mattel And the gag at the end Is that she goes to the gynecologist Because now she has a real vagina yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And I was like And and I think the the why that's a great gag Is that That also points to um, This is going to be You know like if you think about all the medical outcomes for women And, and, and you know like the, the challenges Of going to the gynecologist and all that sort of stuff um, this is going to be a real world scenario for her. Again, and-
0: yeah, I want to <laughs> preface this end discussion about how I do not understand entirely at all the the, yeah. the, the what it means to go to a gynecologist. Yeah. So please take everything I'm going to say with the grain of salt. But I, I took it as such a wonderful microcosm of the entire movie and the entire act of becoming human because Being a human is joy and pain intertwined all over the place. And every woman I've talked to, I think, about the gynecologist, it's not a thing you're excited to go to. No, not at all. Um, But the fact that Barbie, at the end of the movie, has a huge smile and is excited to go to the gynecologist, says to me that she is excited about both the beauty and the pain of being a human being. Yeah. And that is is a really lovely sentiment wrapped up in a joke
1: yeah and and you know again, um, not every film is a monolith and yeah. and, and the 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 discussion of uh, feminism and uh, modernity for, particularly in the case of women is far more complicated and nuanced and far-reaching than this movie will ever be able to do. yeah but again for me, uh, there was this particular joy. That you that I got when I was teaching to think about um, students reinterpreting material that they had watched their whole life because that is the purpose of media and film studies. Yeah, is to think about oh, why is it the case that Ethan Hunt always you know <laughs> is, is always leading the charge and has to train a woman to 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 become uh, his mentee? You know, like why is it that films are always doing that and we never see it the other way around? And so there's always a joy, um, I think, in seeing those larger concepts um, being, uh, you know, having the eyes open, <laughs> red-pelling, I guess, for feminism.
0: You know what would have been cool? There's a moment in Mission Impossible where we flash back to a formulative moment with a brunette mm-hmm. in Ethan's past, like, before movie one. Yeah. Uh and I would have really liked it if that wasn't. This is a minor spoiler for that. That has to do with a a, a perceived love interest. We don't see much of what that is, but, Maybe, it's, but yeah. it's a a woman that he cared about before he became a sexless yeah. deity. <laughs> um, and I would have loved it if, like, that character instead was actually his mentor. Mm-hmm. Like that could be interesting. So- and, I go, and the reason I I made this connection too. Did you ever play any of the Metal Gear Solids? Uh, I played w- uh, one of them. All okay, the way so through. three Snake Eater, which is getting a remake, and you should play because it's technically the first one after like the NES ones in the in the yeah. sequence. Doesn't matter. It's all about Sol- young Solid Snake, this dude who we've been with, and like is the embodiment of like military stealth and cool and like whatever. Um, but he has to go on a mission where he has to fight his old mentor, just nicknamed code named Boss. Yeah, and Boss is a woman, is an older woman. Yeah, and she's a fucking badass spoiler alert for that game. That's forever old. She's also the end boss of the game. And there's a conflict there that makes it so interesting. And so I don't know, like stories have done that sort of thing in the past. And I wish mission impossible, if it was going to go certain directions would kind of do that too, because it makes it interesting.
1: I I just like that this movie Barbie will allow us will by, by discussing what it does. And in, in, in as far as the reach this movie is going to have, um, Will make Kindle from Successions line fuck the patriarchy make a little bit more sense, and not that people didn't understand what that was, but I think that it will, it will give context for how we read a film like Mission Impossible.
0: You know, sure. like, like like I like that. So let's let's talk about the reach. Let's move to phase two because mm-hmm. we've been talking about the film itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about the corporatization aspect of how this movie functions.
1: So we've talked um, about. Air, BlackBerry, Tetris, The yep. Social Network, uh, Steve Jobs, um, probably a bunch of other movies, like a are, movie, like a movie. Yeah, I do
0: want to put also in, because it's funny because it's the same parent company. Yeah, the reason I brought up Matrix Resurrections yeah. and uh, and uh, Space Jam: New Legacy mm-hmm. is both reference Warner Brothers yep. in like the the movie company directly.
1: Yeah, so they're you know essentially we're talking about uh, it's not the same as IP management because essentially these films are talking about the products that were created by the corporate corporation. So Air, for example, is talking about Nike manufacturing, yep. the, the Michael Jordan sneaker, BlackBerry. And we talked a little bit about how it's easier for a movie like BlackBerry um, to get over the ick factor um, because it's essentially about a product that has since passed. Yeah, And we can do it with a little bit more of an interrogatory approach we can kind of think about it from a couple angles yeah uh, you know the up and down of it and 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 dissect
0: the discourse around it and the story is weirdly more compelling nike the air the air story it's like you made nike look like the scrappy upstart which is funny in and of itself but then like the end is like nike wins yeah and you're like
1: great great great. yeah cool cool, cool,
0: i mean the the true ending that i think they were trying to go for if i'm not going to be pedantic about it is uh athletes win like, but... Individual. Yeah, 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 but yeah. The still. Yeah, yeah. It, the, the, I think
1: I think what we should determine, and I'm not the uh, person who's thought of this phrase, but the ick factor of the movie. Um, and uh, in this particular case, it is kind of like what you described with men watching this movie, which is that what is required is an ability to laugh at oneself. Mm-hmm. And where Barbie succeeds in the sort of corporatization... Um, exercise that this film is is the ability to laugh at itself as a corporate entity that has bestowed this thing upon the world barbie um that has both brought joy and pain to to the world and is and should be dissected now i as much as i I don't know if it does it in the same way that ken's character as representative malehood um does But I think it is, it um, certainly with the Will Ferrell character and the sort of idea around uh, the fact that it is run by men um, touches upon the ability to be self-reflexive about it. I didn't think, uh, to me, the Will Ferrell and the corporate boardroom stuff was the weakest part of the movie. Yeah, same. And and it didn't quite work. And again, I think that has to do with, I I was like, you you know that thing which is um, you really learn the structure of power when you learn what you can and can't make a joke about. Yeah. This was a case where there was like, we're really pushing up against the line here. And it's obvious that there is a line that has been considered here about what we can and can't do. Um because they come off as buffoonish, but not mean spirited.
0: They also are still in power at the end of the movie. Yeah. Like
1: you know, you know so I spoilers I, or whatever. Yeah. So it's not radical in that sense. Um, But I think it is it is kind of pushing up against the line in a way that maybe air wasn't.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I have I have a theory about this and I'm still developing it because, again, I saw this movie less than 24 hours ago. But the reason why I bring up Matrix Resurrections and uh, Space Jam New Legacy is both mention Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. Both mention Warner Brothers in condescending ways, calling out something that people generally don't like about a thing mm-hmm. and making a joke about it, but then just doing the thing anyway. In yeah. Matrix, it was our beloved parent company, Warner Brothers, says they need a sequel to the trilogy, which is true. That's what happened. Yeah. That's why we got the movie. Yeah. Ha ha ha, meta, cool. Space Jam, it was a rogue AI That worked for Warner Brothers, controlling the IP, trying to get all of the IP, like the most valuable IP. Ha, ha, ha. Wait, aren't we kind of scared of that? That's a terrible thing for art? Okay, whatever. They made a joke about it. It's the entity. Here. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's the entity. Here, in Barbie, Mattel is shown doing kind of all of the bad things in a silly way. Saying sort of quiet parts loud, Will Ferrell's character being like, "Hey, we we had a we had a C- women CEO once, yeah. and uh, maybe even two, <laughs> and like they're buffoonish and it's silly." So you start turning very real issues into throwaway jokes. Yeah, and in a way, I think we're seeing more and more companies being okay with this because it kind of gives them a pressure release valve about their actual problems. Yeah like we're making a joke about the bad th- like look we did a bad thing but we're joking about it so like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right don't we suck oh man anyway like there's it's this weird thing that i don't love overall yeah. because i think they know it's a you know tactical decision to poke fun at themselves so they don't seem like they're um I- I- either a invincible or b like to Get them like mask the actual problem that's going on. Like, nothing's fixed or changed. They just called out the bad thing. Right. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Like,
1: it, it's like, like I said, it's that line that they're pushing up against, which is not which is not radically transform- transformative. It's not like, hey, we need to change this structure and there is a real problem here and we need to dismantle this. It's more like, ha ha. Well, the, 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 <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, the, sorry, what I was going to say it was like, it's like when. Google invites a comedian to speak at their launch yeah. and the comedian has to walk that fine line of making fun of Google because Google is paying you to roast them. Mm-hmm. And this is a case of Mattel paying someone to roast them. Or getting paid yeah. to
0: let them roast yeah, you. Yeah, but which also they're uh, going to uh, reap yeah. the profits of. Yeah. yeah, but like, so I think the the true crux of what I'm discussing is when America's character... Says, what about like just like a normal Barbie who's like kind of fed up and a little bit tired and like whatever? And Will Ferrell, like, (laughs) no, that's so stupid. Mm -hmm. And then one of his goons is like, that would actually sell really well. And she's like, oh, great. Like, that was a pure like mask off moment for me where it's like they're literally telling you what they do and laughing at you for eating it up. Yeah. And like, again, in the context of the film and the Barbie world in the film and the real world in the film, it is a funny joke yeah, and it helps the overall story of it. But I, I, uh, I want to take a look at what I think movies like this, that do this, like the effect it does have on the real world. Mm -hmm. And I do think that small bit will be a net negative in a way. Again, I think, let me just be very clear. Overall, I think the Barbie movie will be far more positive to the society that engages with it than negative. Yeah. However, I do think it's going to help in a weird way let Mattel and other companies off or teach them that if you just kind of poke fun at it, like, you can kind of do whatever you want still. Like, in the, the line of, like, oh, we still have the patriarchy, but, like, we hide it better now. Yeah. Like, that's literally what this part of the <laughs> movie, the element this movie is doing, and they're telling you about it.
1: I, yeah. And, and, you know... um, it's odd to say that the you know Sight and Sound magazine again released uh, a list this year of the the 100 greatest films that they that they think and it's radically changed uh, over the years it used to be citizen kane and this year it was Jean Delman, a movie I bought for you mm-hmm. that I think we're going to do on the podcast at some point. That is a movie that radically um aligns itself with the with the idea that the way we understand society society as it works right now needs to be dismantled mm-hmm. and changed. And this is this is not that movie. I think, you know, Barbie, what we have to appreciate is it is a pop culture product that is not intended to dismantle the structures in place that it is also criticizing. It is it is designed to allow us to perhaps um, uh, be satiated by by the structures that we live within. You know, like it allows, and and that is what the that is what the purpose of a good comedy roast is. Like the good, a good comedy roast allows us to poke fun at the, you know, like allows us to poke fun at the power at the power at play without dismantling it, right? You know, like so. It that's that's what it's designed to do. I think that it takes it it takes really small steps, um, in popularizing ideas like. Uh, patriarchy and feminism into the mainstream that may hopefully catch fire, take it's, root, yeah, take root, and and will eventually lead to transformation. But it's not radically transforming, and I and I think that's okay because as uh, America Ferreira's character points out, is that at some point you want to ask for money, but you can't ask for all the money because that's crass, and you you know you want to be you know like I think they. They they talk you know, she she points out this this contradiction as well. She's that you want to be thin, but you want to say that you want to be healthy, but you actually want to be thin. But you can't ask to be thin because it's it's uh, you know, like that would be crass. So I think, you know, there's a fine, again, a fine line that this movie is walking. Um, Gerwig in an interview this week talked about the one scene that she was told or she was asked to cut in place at times, and she said that if she cut it, she wouldn't know what this movie was actually about. And could you guess what that scene oh, is?
0: because
1: um... Because to me, it was the moment that... It, for me, when I was watching the movie, it was the first moment that I thought, mm, maybe there's something more under the Wife. What was here. the moment? It was the moment when she's at the bus stop. And she's at the bus stop, and she looks to the other woman... That was actually
0: she, the one I was thinking in yeah, my head, and, not to get go, to lie. And, yeah.
1: and, and she said, you're so beautiful. And, she, and the other woman goes, I know. yeah And it was like... and. And and Gerwig talks about the fact that like if she'd cut that scene, then she didn't know what this movie was about. And I think that Whatever the decision-making process is, I think that speaks to the struggle of having to try and make mm-hmm. this movie.
0: And it's very smart to not cut. That. I mean, because yeah. that is a very, very true thing. And it, because it's a slow moment with two people talking at a bus stop. Yeah. that's the first thing that any fucking like I feel like overlord of a corporate <laughs> film would be like, oh yeah, that's boring. Lose it. Yeah. yeah. Like because they're just there's but, th-
1: but it imbues so much meaning. Yep, it Imbues deeper meaning to like this idea that Barbie has, which is, and, and I think this this speaks to Margot Robbie's kind of talent here. Um is that you know, yeah, um Helen Mirren, who's the narrator in this film, points out that uh there, and so we are in full full blown spoilers. Oh, right I was gonna, I
0: wanted to not le- wanted to not do it for them
1: well I, I think we're we're deep into the movie now, and we're talking about the corporatization of it and the and the reason for the movie to exist from both a corporate point of view and from an artistic point of view and um there's a moment where Barbie is having a full blown breakdown because her reality has been shattered, um her world that she thought she wanted to preserve has now been upended, and she says this line, which is that "I feel so ugly." And um, the narrator comes in and says, "Just a note from the writer and director here: Margot Robbie is not the person you cast when you want to make this point." Or it's uh, it's not lost on the writer and director that that you know you shouldn't cast Margot Robbie if you wanted to make this point. And I think that speaks to this idea that Margot Robbie's kind of particular genius is that she looks like a matinee idol from uh, t- days gone by, kind of Grace Kelly, sort of. Statuist look to her, but her instincts, um, which I think you know, correct me if I'm wrong here, are molded by you know filmmakers like Greta Gerwig um, speaks to a, a dismantling of the theory that that is all she is, yeah, you know like her portrayal of Harley Quinn and her connection to that role and the repeated attempts to kind of keep that thing moving um, is based upon this idea that Harley Quinn should not just be. Um, this um, sycophant to the Joker, who has no agency of her own, you know, like she has been working to make sure that that is not the case. Yeah, and
0: many writers in the comics have been doing that too. But yeah, yeah, I, yeah. yeah. And I'm so glad she's trying to bring that element forward
1: into the films. And I think, and I think from the 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 challenge of the corporatization sort of point of view of this film, is that you have Gerwig on the other side of that, knowing, I think, very aware of both where her place in cinema is going to be in terms of like you know, why she was chosen to make this movie and her ability to try and imbue this thing that is essentially going to be a corporate product with something of a sense of of true identity to it. Yeah. And, and, and my hope is that my son will watch this movie and have that in his mind as he moves forward.
0: I think this is going to be for, this is the weirdest thing maybe mm-hmm. to say, but like I think particularly for young boys mm-hmm. to watch this movie. Yeah. Um, will be incredibly helpful.
1: Yeah. Think about it in contrast to Woman Talking, the Sarah Polly film yep, that we yeah. did, where there's a line in there where they talk about the destructive nature of boys. Mm-hmm. Like one of them saying, should we, you know, in, in that movie, uh, a character is saying, should we take the boys with us? Again, that was my favorite film of the last year. If you haven't watched it, uh, Woman Talking is amazing um, and uh, probably available for streaming right now. Um, there's also, I think, Sarah Polly is doing uh i can't remember she's doing a disney property movie now i think or something like that um and what that character in that movie is talking about is essentially what ken becomes in this movie right like he's talking about he
0: the, becomes the 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 funhouse mirror version of that
1: yes. yeah yeah exactly so i think again not radically transformative it's 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 wrong for me to ask the movie to be radically transformative but um uh, to, to the third point that we're going to get to here, mm-hmm. which is the discourse, I want to talk about the discourse because I think what's important in the discourse is not to um, condemn or praise things blindly, yep. but to acknowledge where their strengths and weaknesses are and look at the nuances of them and have an ongoing conversation about
0: them. Yeah, I a thousand percent agree. The thing, I, this is a perfect transition into yeah. that, into the, your third element that you built into here because. We've both, this entire conversation, mentioned things that we that we yeah. both like from just an entertainment perspective, yeah. things that we think are very powerful from a societal perspective, things yeah. we felt didn't work, the corporatization elements, how that can be dangerous in certain ways, etc. But like... The thing that I want to make sure that when we are discussing this movie, even at the end of this podcast or next week, or I'm sure I'm sure we'll bring up something Barbie related, even when we do Oppenheimer coming up, because full disclosure on our Mm -hmm. schedule, due to some things, we're doing this one very early. We're doing Oppenheimer kind of late. Yeah, yeah. Um, So so by the time we do that, we'll have like box office numbers and other things to talk about and whatever. But the thing that I don't want to get lost, I think that you're sort of bringing up is that like as as monolithic as Barbie is. Yeah what this movie is telling you and what I think, what I hope the discourse mirrors is that nothing should just be, it's like, should be a monolith. Like, there are layers. She's literally
1: a monolith in the opening of the movie. And I love it because
0: by the end, she's a human being with facets. Yeah. And like, it's a really wonderful transition that it's, it's funny. I was trying to, I'm just going to go back to the film really quickly. The thing that I was worried about that would get kind of lost is like, well, what is the arc? Because like the real world doesn't change. And uh, you know, this and the other thing, but Barbie goes from Barbie, the monolith to Barbara, the person. Yeah. And that's a really cool and powerful thing when you think about it. So if you go back to the discourse of it, I'm hoping that, like we don't get stuck as a society talking about one element, or like having whatever pundit or group or website or whatever like drill down on like, well, Barbie's bad because of this, yeah. or Barbie's great because of this, yeah. because I think you lose the point of the movie. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, and and the movie isn't a monolith. It is a. It is a. It is but mere. Tip of the iceberg of a conversation, yeah, that ho- can hopefully be transformative. And these, and both these artists, Greta Gerwig and and Margot Robbie, for example, um, are creating a body of work over time. And it's important to think about that over time. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not you know like it's not uh, problematic to call out people. Um, when something doesn't work in a particular instance, like I've had a problem with the last couple of Quentin Tarantino movies, uh, in terms of the way the women have been portrayed in those sure. movies. But it's not to say that, you know, again, it's just thinking about. It's not condemning Quentin Tarantino or or condemning those films. It's to think about the sort of broader context of it. It's it yeah, I think the word the phrase it is not a monolith, and the fact that Barbie is a monolith in this movie is like a perfect metaphor. It's a little clever. It's like it's, a, it's 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 a little like aha we got it kind of thing. Yeah. Um you know and and they made it the first trailer of the movie, right? Yeah, which is very very smart. um but you know and and it, but but I think it actually speaks to the broader thing that we want to get to both in this movie and in the podcast in general is that you know we have always said um the 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 com- the podcast is really Continuing the conversation that the
0: movie begins. Yeah, we're and not that, really reviews, even though that is what we end up doing. That's not kind of. That's like the the, the byproduct.
1: Yeah, it's a book club for for movies. Um, There's a podcast about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and but it but but that that changes, evolves, develops. You know, like it is not a singular entity. It kind of changes over time, and it should. Uh, it should be open to challenge, to, to be challenged. I should be, you know, like we should be challenged on our opinions yeah. and we should be challenged on things we've said on this podcast and we should be willing to change on those things that we've said on this podcast as oh, well. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and I think, you know, again, speaking to the discourse, whatever has happened three weeks from now, however heated the topic has become on Fox News or CNN or whatever, um, it, what you want to look towards, or what I think, what I want to look towards, is the voices that speak to um, the nuance of the conversation and yeah. take into account the the historical context for which something, which an artifact like Barbie comes from. And it is a loaded artifact, you know, like um, uh, it, it is, it really speaks to the heart of media studies and film studies and, and like semiotics and representation. What does an object mean both as an object unto itself and as a greater byproduct of culture. And, and how does that filter? And I like, there's a line in this movie that I think perfectly, perfectly encapsulates that where someone says, thank you, white savior, Barbie. And I was like, that's a, see, like that is a, a very self acknowledging line of what this is, Mm -hmm. um, for, and what it's trying to do. It is a, it is a Sisyphean battle
0: up a hill. Yeah. Uh, Oh, (laughs) Sisyphus. Yeah. Um, I have, a th- I have a hope, and I guess I could upgrade it to a theory on where the discourse is going to go. Okay. So I- I'm going to make some broad generalizations here um, because I'll-, I'll just pull the lazy card that is similar to the, the groups that I will discuss do all the time because mm-hmm. uh, that's how much energy I should put into it. Um, I think that like sort of like the Fox News or the Newsmaxes or the right-wing media about sure. this movie actually might try to poke it, Right? Sure. But I actually don't think they're going to try too hard because it is a movie and an experience that kind of has an answer built into almost every criticism of it mm-hmm. in a weird way. Where something like the Dylan Mulvaney Bud Light bullshit that they are mm-hmm. still harping on, they literally gave one influencer a special can of Bud Light. Yeah. Uh, and th- th- that has been insane to watch people froth at the mouth over that. Yeah. Um, the reason why that's, well, one is that's trans issues and that's going to be easier for them to attack because they're less protected. But the the other being, that is something that is so nebulous that they can latch onto it forever. Where Barbie, I feel like, is not a flash-in-the-pan news story that was reported on, um, to be quite honest, uh, uh, damagingly by many, many news organizations that sort of spread the fire of that Bud Light thing. Barbie has answers to every sort of poke or question, or most of them anyway. Yeah. That I feel that those news or 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 politically leaning entities would would try to attack it for. It has an answer to. I think the movie is smarter than their arguments would be. Mm-hmm. So I I don't anticipate this being something that blows up in a in a way like that. I could be proven incredibly wrong.
1: I mean, but we also live in a society right now. We're in a society. Uh, we live in a society. Jared, where um you know abortion rights are being uh impeded upon in, in in really profoundly affecting ways yep and in this movie there is a female Supreme Court that is a, you know like in many ways um addressing the fact that this is the problem that we have in our patriarchal society yeah um I think uh, Al- Alyssa Wilkinson kind of um uh, made this point in a, in a somewhat sort of not negative review, but kind of a, an interesting one. But she said, there's a streak of defensiveness to Barbie as though it's trying to anticipate and acknowledge any critiques lodged against it before it's made, which renders it emotionally inert despite its, if it's at wackiness. I think, like, I don't disagree with that point. I do. But, but uh, you should read the article in full. Um, yeah. Um, I think, to your point, that the first... You, you know, the structure of this movie is, is somewhat defensive. You know, like it is it is like a trying to acknowledge. And I I think it's defensive because it is trying to both be a corporate product and interrogate that corporate product. Mm -hmm. And that is a very difficult thing to do. So I don't. So I think I want to I want to get this um, despite whatever your criticisms may be uh, of the movie is like acknowledge how difficult a job it is to do what Greta Gerwig did with this film. And the fact that she pulls it off pretty successfully, in my opinion, is kind of a miracle um because the challenge is like being a woman in the 21st century um, no um no small feet and filled with Why don't we contradiction just say, and confusion yeah impossible i believe the Impos- word you're looking yeah, for yeah, yeah, is impossible,
0: impossible. Yeah. uh yeah and I-, I
1: love that two men <laughs> are sitting here trying to discuss this with uh, you know like w- we 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 should acknowledge that on the podcast we should have more voices <laughs> to like to discuss this with
0: us. Oh, it, a thousand percent. <laughs> yeah. And obviously we try to do that when we can. This yeah. was just a, a yeah. scheduling thing. We've also gotten into the discussion, here, and, and we mm-hmm. can cut this if you'd like me mm-hmm. to to or not. I don't think you would. Mm-hmm. Um, we got into a discussion like, oh, who should we try to get in this quick... We had a quick turnaround. Yeah, who yeah. should we try to get? We should probably get a, a, a woman or yeah. you know, to talk about Barbie. And then we both sort of said like, but isn't that also like yeah. ki- like kind of the wrong thing too? And like, it just turned out that we were like the clock sort of decided for us. Yeah. Yeah. A
1: lot of, a lot of times the reason we don't get guests is because we haven't made enough time to do that. And
0: so my, my point is like, I a hundred percent agree. I want to get more diverse voices sort of on the podcast, but like we could do it for literally anything too. I think we both are on that, on that train too. Like, it doesn't have to be like, Oh, well we need X person for this movie or blah, 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 blah. Because like, it would just would be good. Like, so like there, there's always that sort of interesting, uh, Line about it as well. Yeah. Um. I. I. I think we're kind of wrapping up. This is a a long episode, but I think it was a really fucking good one. Mm -hmm. Uh. This has been the only podcast about Mm -hmm. the film Barbie. (laughs) Shahir. When you are not being asked the time and answering by wearing four watches, where can folks find you? Is that what Barbie did? Or is no, that Ken does it, because Ken... when Ken gets asked the time, he was respected uh, and asked for the time, and he a... didn't have a watch, so then now he has four watches. That is a subtle detail I did not pick up on, so I'm <laughs> glad you pointed that out. We didn't mention Ryan Gosling. He's Which fucking I, great He's in great in this. Yeah, he's a
1: lot of fun. Uh, you can find me driving my car through play, uh, a dystopian Los Angeles Blade Runner hellscape to my kingdom uh, at my website, com, Matt, when you are finding crazy, stupid love in your kingdom, where can people find
0: you? Oh, man, you can find me. Uh, <laughs> getting tired of the patriarchy when I realized it wasn't all about horses over at <laughs> my website, dot com for my life and works. Also, Skeletor, the number four, Pierre Easy on Instagram or PSN. Uh, and, of course, Emperor MSK on Twitter or just my name on Blue Sky. Um, next week, mm-hmm. Oppenheimer. Uh, is Oppenheimer.
1: I, am I excited to see? I, I look. A friend of mine has uh, purchased a seventy millimeter ticket. I heard there is some. F- there's been some problems because. <gasps> because we don't have projectionists anymore in the world. Yeah. And like playing a 70 millimeter film, which is like 11 miles long, is very, very challenging. And so I'm really curious how this all plays out.
0: All of the IMAX screenings at the Lincoln are sold out for three weeks.
1: Right. So the fact uh, that I have a ticket, I'm well, very Well, so sorry. you
0: have the 70 millimeter one, not the IMAX one. Those are still available for right. as of right now. The 70 millimeter one? Yep. Okay. Uh, I don't know what theater they're playing the 70 millimeter in. Oh, I'm
1: seeing it in IMAX,
0: I believe. There's two versions at Lincoln. There's, Seventy millimeter IMAX, yeah, and then there's just a seventy millimeter print with in deeper depth and whatever. Like, oh,
1: you're right, you're right, yeah. So uh, I'm not sure. actually I'm not, I have no idea.
0: So um, I, I don't think I'm actually going to be able to see no, it in a, IMAX. No, sorry, there is an IMAX seventy millimeter. There is, yes. Yeah. Is that and, the one you're going to? There's also just a
1: <laughs> 70 millimeter. Let me see. I'm going on, uh, on this. Side.
0: Yeah, I'm seeing IMAX 70 millimeter. Fuck yeah. All right. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. I feel better in the fact that I am I looked for tickets last night. I don't think I'm going to be able to. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I don't know if it's going to be a film I want to see twice, so <laughs> I might not be able to experience that. Um, but that's okay. We're yeah. going to talk about it, and we're going to see, uh, you know, we're going to c- continue this uh, this Barbenheimer triumvirance. Well, what kind or of bio do you think Christopher Nolan is? Um, <laughs> is he the godfather
1: guy he is right he's the godfather the guy. guy he's the
0: guy he's the Barbie that doesn't know how to write women
1: yeah uh, <laughs> which is fine he was like oh in order to make this work does Barbie need to die yeah. <laughs> I think Barbie needs to die in order for Kin to like move forward that's right, right. yeah it's all about uh, I would
0: say Christopher Nolan has a lot of <laughs> Um. anyway Um. see you next week yeah bye everyone bye bye